Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line by For the Win podcast producer, Hemel Javeri. Hemel, how are you? I'm great, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm a little tired, but I'm doing well. Yeah, you, you were saying you got you got a big weekend coming up, uh, and you're already exhausted. I've got a bunch of uh, – I've got a family wedding on Friday and then a friend wedding on Sunday and and all sorts of associated events. So I got home late last night. It was the rehearsal dinner for the one wedding and, and uh, yeah, just like a lot of – a lot on the plate. A lot on the plate right now. It'll be fun. It'll all be fun. But I, you know, it's it's a little bit tiring. You have a lot of celebrating to do. I have a lot of celebrating to do. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Let's, we should. We have questions from the internet. We do have questions from the internet. Um, they kind of took your your suggestion to ask about movies pretty pretty seriously. Yeah, so. I was going to skip those entirely, but I guess. We, <laughs> but, but just because I, I when I asked people for questions, I said like. Ask us which of your favorite movies suck, and then that was basically. And then everybody just listed all their favorite movies. Do you have any movies in particular you want to call out as bad? Uh, I haven't looked particularly. No, I don't mean by the ones people listed. I just mean like in general. Okay. Are there any much beloved movies that you would like to say are bad? Uh, I don't know if I want that kind of heat to tell you the truth, because I think there's certain movies that I just don't understand why they're so popular. Um, so I, you know what, I'm not going to say anything because I think I will get a lot of like, uh, a lot of heat. Well, that seems like the coward's (laughs) way out to me. I thought you had more conviction than that. Oh, you're trying to bait me. But I will say that I don't get the appeal for the new Star Wars films. Like I, I generally don't understand the love for Star Wars anyway. Like I think they're perfectly great movies, and I've watched uh, I've watched all the old ones. I didn't see any of the new ones. And I have no dis- like, unfortunately, I have like zero level of excitement for any of the new Star Wars stuff. Like I watched um, I watched the one that came out recently, right, with Johnny Boyega and Ray. And I thought it was perfectly fine. Like I thought it was a perfectly good. Wait, is that show. is that episode seven or Rogue One? I don't know. I haven't seen Rogue One. I think okay. Rogue One is. Yeah, it, there's like there's so much hype around them. I just don't understand it. To me, it seems like the same movie over and over and over again. And I think it's a perfectly enjoyable, like movie experience. But it it does absolutely nothing for me. So I, yeah, I don't get any of it. I will give it to you quick. I will say uh, episode one horrible. Episode two pretty bad. Episode mm-hmm. three horrendously bad. Episode <laughs> four. Excellent episode five, the best uh, Return of the uh, or the Empire Strikes Back, uh, Return of the Jedi episode six, okay, uh, probably a little overrated. Episode seven, okay, but very overrated. And Rogue One, I thought was great, uh, probably. Oh really? Yeah, I thought it was right there with the original three. Not quite as good as four and five, uh, but I thought it was uh, way better than any of the ones that have come out since the original three. Oh, okay. I will. Yeah, um, you should definitely. You would like it. You should check it okay. out. It's a. It's, Maybe I'll watch Rogue One. Maybe um, I'll watch Rogue it's One. It's super it's... bleak and like it's it's less. You know, I was thinking like as like now that they're like Disney things that maybe mm-hmm. they'd all be lame. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought the you know everybody went nuts over the the newest of like the canonical sequential mm-hmm. stories, and I thought it was just like okay. It seemed like a whole lot like uh, Episode Four, the first of the original ones, to me. 
but then Rogue One was like sort of a separate thing and like a standalone movie. And I really personally hate movies where they need a sequel, right? Like okay. if your movie isn't doesn't stand alone and doesn't like wrap it up by the end of the movie, then that makes me angry because now you're just making me commit to paying another 20 bucks <laughs> to see the next movie. And so I don't uh, like that. So I will say you had me at bleak. Like if you describe something at bleak, I'm definitely my ears perk up. So maybe I'll watch Rogue One. It's which up your I alley. Hear, if you like, yeah. If you like, bleak yeah, things. which I hear is supposed to be on Netflix. Um, I will say the most frustrated I've ever been at a movie that needed a sequel was the end of the first Lord of the Rings film where I had, I mean, I don't know. I have, was not familiar at all with anything that happens in them. So the movie ended, and I was like, what the, what the heck? I thought they were going to destroy this stupid ring. But apparently it takes like another million hours <laughs> No, they're going to need there. seven more hours <laughs> to destroy that ring. See, that's funny because that, those movies, to me, count as like the exception to so many things I hate about movies. Like, I hate long movies, and I, I like, yeah, yeah, like you said, I hate things that require a sequel. I loved those. I loved all three of those movies. I oh. thought... The third one dragged like they didn't need like the last forty minutes of that movie. But oh, I loved them. I'm not saying I didn't. I didn't enjoy them, but I was like, like the first movie ended, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know that's fair. I mean, I would just say like to me, I don't throw the term like pinnacle of human achievement around very lightly. <laughs> and like after those three movies came out, I was like, that's the best movies we're ever gonna make. Like that's it had everything, right? It was like yeah. epic and it was cool and it, but it, yeah, it was a good story. I, I liked I liked those movies a lot. I like those that's movies good. a lot. And that's not usually like my realm, as you know. Like I don't Yes. Uh, yeah, you're not, you're not that kind of guy. You're so, not the But I liked those. Good. Yeah. I don't I don't know what kind of guy I am, but uh, but I don't, I don't watch like Harry Potter and I'm not into Game of Thrones and I'm not, you know, I don't know. Right. You seem more of a realist. You don't, you don't strike me as a sci-fi fan. No, no. I love sci-fi. I love sci-fi. I don't like, I don't love fantasy. Okay. There's okay. a distinction there. I, Cause I, I, I like, I love, I will watch, I will watch the lousiest sci-fi movie. If it's about time travel, I will watch it no matter how bad it is. But fantasy stuff, I just tend to think, like, a lot of times you're just telling, like, like especially at Game of Thrones, like, I feel like it's just, like, this is, like, stupid sort of, like, like uh, soap opera storylines that they're like, oh, but there's also a dragon. Yeah, it, that the, the thing with the dragons in Game of Thrones really, well, there's a lot of stuff that, was, that I find off-putting about Game of Thrones, which we can save for a later podcast, um, but... Uh, I will say, like, time traveling to me has generally been the one thing where I start to tap out. Right? Really? Where I'm just like, yeah, where, because you, like you just said, you loved it. it. The second time traveling starts coming into it, I'm like, oh, my God. Now, it's it, like I want to hit the eject button so fast. Oh, that's it. I'm, I'm <laughs> the opposite of that. like, oh, boy. Because I always want to figure out, like, how well the time travel scenario is set up and like what type of like is this one where you can change the past right and like yeah. or, or is or is everything just going to happen the way things happen no matter what and they'll force it upon you like i don't know there's so many different little details yeah. of that uh that i love i think that it probably all stems from uh one of my first ever favorite movies which i think came out when i was only like seven years old mm-hmm. uh which was bill and ted's excellent adventure and okay. it was like such a great and b- back to the future and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure both were like so important to me as a kid and like were mm-hmm. such great entryways into that 
idea for a little kid, you know, so I, right. I was really into them. I, so I will say that I think, um, there was my, one of my, one of my earliest memories and you and I are about the same age. So Bill and Ted came out the same time for us. I wanted to watch Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and my dad would not let us rent it because it was like PG 13. Huh? Um, yeah. So by the time I actually saw it, I was practically an adult and I had just missed like, uh, I, and, I and now, like, like Keanu Reeves is already it. a famous guy, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, and, it, and I was just like, wait, what? It, and I feel so cheated, because I think if I had watched it as a kid, I would have, like, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah, I gotta credit my parents. There were, you know, I mean, I love my parents in general, but my parents were very good about not censoring stuff for me when I was a little kid. Like, there were, I can think of, like, three or four examples from my life where my parents were like, you shouldn't be watching this or reading this or whatever it was. Like I, I, uh, I got really into the, uh, Michael Crichton books when I was a little kid and mm-hmm. like, I, I was sort of a precocious reader and, and I love Jurassic Park. And so I wanted to read the book and, uh, you know, that, that made me le- read the, the Congo and, and, uh, Andromeda strain and all these other sci-fi Michael Crichton books. And then because I was so into Michael Crichton, I started reading like disclosure and mm-hmm. my parents found out about some stuff that happens in disclosure and they're like <laughs> you should not be reading this book so it was like that and they didn't they didn't let me watch gi joe that was the main one oh. when i was a little kid they did not they were like what? we're we're not into which is funny because that was like such a standard kid thing and all yeah. my friends loved gi joe but uh i think my parents i was loved like, as Joe. Americans who came of age in the early 70s and late 60s, right. they were like the anti-war hippie thing was so embedded right. in them that they're like, we're not going to glorify war. So like He-Man was fine. You could watch like fantasy war. But like this like sort of making war cool was not something. I think mostly my parents didn't want me to sign up for war at any point. Yeah, yeah they like, were just so, like, we, yeah. we don't want him to, to join the army at any point. Yeah. I watched a lot of G.I. Joe, which I loved. Uh, so I feel bad for you that that, that didn't work out. I it's probably would have liked it. And, and yeah. I probably would not have joined the Army. No, And, and no disrespect to people who joined the Army. We don't want to sound like we don't so, support yeah. our troops. I would be an extremely bad serviceman. I'll tell you that much. Oh, I, I think I would have gotten kicked out for insubordination I would make, very early. <laughs> I would last like a week. I would last yeah. like a week. And then they would, they would, I don't know what they would do. There would be like tribunals for how much of a wise ass I was. <laughs> uh, let's right, get let's to the questions. To questions. All right, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll start with the sports ones. Uh, we got a lot of sports ones that were clearly aimed at you, which is nice. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, your your brand is expanding. <laughs> um, so one from, comes from our man Dennis. Dennis has a podcast at Dehab Show. He wants to know how do we get more events with hockey players in suits? Oh my God! What a great great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that hockey players are – do all teams dress up before they go to games? Uh, so in baseball, it depends on the team. Like a long standard is like when you're going on a road trip, teams will dress up. And like sometimes sometimes it's like business casual. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like full suit. And so you get to see like the guys' cool suits. But then teams will also have like – 
this is our hippie day dress up like the Joe Madden and the Cubs uh, and Joe Madden mm-hmm. with, with the Rays was long done this where it's like instead of everybody wears suits you wear like some sort of costume uh, which is also something that like gets complicated when they're making rookies dress up like women but that's not what Madden's deal was it was always just like the whole team is all going to dress like we're from the 70s today or something like mm-hmm. that and so that's kind of fun but like the standard was always you dress nice for the road trips. I I think that, well, hockey players, I think, definitely wear a lot of suits, but it has to do more with the fact that they're not very visible. So I think what he's referring to is that last night were the NHL awards, um, and, uh, you know, you had a bunch of hockey players in suits. And what's, what's really, um, what the real difference is, like, and it is such a stark difference, is that you barely see NHL players' faces, right? Because they mm-hmm. always have the the helmet on, and some of them have visors. And forget it if you're a goalie, right? Like you have no idea what that guy looks right. like. And the the uniforms that they wear are so incredibly bulky. You, the only thing you're really cognizant of is the number on the back of the jersey and the dude's last name. So when you see them in a suit, it's just like a whole different world. Um, so I just think, uh, hockey players should be more visible. They should like, they should have hockey players at the Emmys and the Oscars, like start, start bringing them out. Those are some good looking guys in suits. And they have to have suits. I imagine, which, which is something that I need to deal with too, where, um, (laughs) where you have giant legs. And so you need to get suits with like giant leg holes and like you can't you can't just buy the regular suit you need to buy like the pants from a much larger man's suit well Uh. these guys okay to be fair these guys all obviously have them all custom tailored um and you would be surprised at the different body types though not it's not just all like bottom heavy uh bottom heavy guys but there's Um, no way there's no way you're an nhl hockey player with like skinny legs you are no. Have you so last night? Sergey Bobrovsky won um, won an NHL award for I think it was the Vesna for best goaltender, and he is a tall, lanky dude, huh. like very skinny. Same thing with Pecorine, tall guy, like six five, six six, and very like you know very proportional and slim. Uh, the one the one story that's told a lot is Sidney Crosby had to get his jeans custom made. Because he had that big hockey butt and like nothing was was fitting. Yeah, I know that. I mean, I don't have to get my jeans custom made. I just have to like do a bunch of like squats before I walk outside <laughs> in jeans so that my jeans can fit. Uh, this is yes. this is life. Uh, that is life. I, yeah, I I don't I don't know any events that can get more hockey players in suits. I just this is just only vaguely related, but I think about it all the time. Because and and actually, Matt Cerrone and I on Tuesday's show talked about seeing baseball players in street clothes and like that experience. But uh, nothing has ever been as striking to me as before the 2015 World Series seeing Terry Collins, the Mets manager in street clothes because like some of these some of these guys you see like you see him come in come, come out Terry Collins right. is like such a baseball lifer like this is a guy yeah. who feels like he has only worn uniforms for the last 50 years or something <laughs> and so and and it was uh, Andrew Kay of the New York Times who made the joke on Twitter it was like it's like seeing your teacher at the supermarket when you <laughs> saw Terry Collins like just wearing like his regular day clothes and it was a very entertaining thing to me um, we got more questions we got uh, Maggie uh, our coworker, Mary Hendricks. Ooh, Maggie. Um, I believe I know your answer for this, but uh, she says, "Have either of you ever gone fishing?" 
that's a hard no for me, of course. I've never gone fishing. Right. Of course. Um, yeah. And that's, that's uh, I mean, that stems from religion for you. Yeah, it is. It is not even so much that of a like I'm not an outdoorsy person, which I'm not. But yes, our because on Jane, one of the big things is nonviolence, and that extends to every every living creature. So fishing is an absolute no no for us, even if it's a catch and release kind of thing. Right. Well, so yeah, and that's so I this is it's like sort of a conflicting thing for me because. I, I don't have the nonviolence there. That's not part of, uh, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not me, but, uh, I do have like the Catholic guilt, you know? And so, <laughs> and I don't like eating fish. Um, like, yeah, I like meat, but I don't, I don't like fish. I just don't like the way it tastes. And so like, while I think that if I were, and, and I have many times gone fishing and I do really enjoy it. Like it's a really, oh, really? it's a really peaceful activity and that's the thing it's like not actually the catching the fish that's fun about about fishing that's just like the the 45 seconds of action punctuating like just a nice day sitting with your feet in the lake you know casting out the thing and and that's kind of really nice like it's a really it's like and and i don't know why what's wrong with me that i can't get up for just like sitting by the lakeside and enjoying it but i need some sort of activity associated with it but now in adulthood, like seeing, I, I don't know, it's, I feel like such a, a weenie even saying this, but like <laughs> seeing the poor fish like flop around with its, with a hook in its mouth and like, it's not comfortable, you know? And like, I, I don't know, fun, I don't know yeah. if it can think or anything like that. Like, I don't know what fish feel pain like, but the fish does not want to be on the hook, no. you know, like that's no, no doubt. And then it's like, now if I'm catching and releasing, it's like, all I'm doing is like I'm here to screw with this fish's day. Yeah, and you're, throw you're it right just back. messing. You're just yeah. messing around with them because you can. I, right. I I don't like fishing. Um, if I, I I think I would like it more if I were fishing for so like I would be fine with it if I knew someone who loved fish and it was like look at my wife like if my wife wanted to eat the fish that I caught, great. Mm-hmm. But then like also then you have to like fillet the fish and debone the fish and descale it and all these things I don't really know how to do. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I I, I completely agree with that. And we've talked, and I'm a pretty hard, you know me, I'm a super hardliner for, uh, this avoiding cruelty to animals and unnecessary pain. So I don't, I do feel a little, um, I do feel like I'm missing out on the experience though, because I think just having a reason to sit like by the lake for hours and not do anything would be awesome. So I do feel a little, um, and it's not regret, but I do feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. And, and, and to some extent you are, but like ultimately it does involve the, the, poor said fish flopping around <laughs> on there looking at you like why did you do this to me why? and you're like oh no don't worry i'm not gonna eat you i just i just cut a big hole in the side of your face and now i'm throwing you back with your friends and your family it was just we're just we're just ruining your day we're just we're yeah we're do. just messing it up um and also i think also that working so i worked i think we, have we talked about this on on the podcast i used to work at a at like a wholesale retail fish market a lobster farm and that all sort of screwed with my perception of what we can do to fish and lobsters. Because it, when you're 17 years old and you're taking like 200 lobsters at a time and dumping them into boil, boiling water, you get like, I was sort of a, like, I'm, I remain uh, up my own ass in many ways and spend too much time <laughs> thinking about stuff. And they're like, oh, what am, how do I, who am I? Why do I get to do this? You know? Yeah. 
Um, eels. Uh, I, I assume you've never dealt with eels on any level. No, and I mean, to tell you, I've never dealt with any kind of animal that I've ever had to kill. Uh, and I'm struggling with it right now because while this is not fish related, it is a rodent we have, which we've talked about in our other conversations, oh, but there's yeah. a mouse in my house. Oh, I didn't I've, even think about that aspect. Of I it. have literally just decided to let it like live because I cannot bear to kill it. Like it was causing me like such serious anxiety like while I was trying to figure out what I can do with it. So I've set like humane traps all around the house. Um, but I won't use a poison cube because either it's, I, I was like, well, I've taken away all of its food. So either it's going to starve to death um, or it's going to figure out like there's no food here. So it'll find a way to leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even think about that in terms of eradicating. So like, so yeah. would you, so you wouldn't like, if you saw a roach in your kitchen, you wouldn't step on it. No, we go out of our way to like, um, like try to sweep it up. And to be fair, like so far I haven't had to deal with any roaches in the house because that's when it gets really like, okay, I probably will end up killing it. But we had an ant infestation, um, at my mom and dad's house, like a couple of years, uh, not even a couple of years ago, a couple of months ago. And we really just like swept as many up as we possibly could and threw them outside versus just like squashing them. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's been pretty, it's been pretty ingrained in us since we were kids with eels. Uh, and I would just say like on behalf of, uh, people who work in fish markets everywhere, if you're listening to this, don't order eel because oh. preparing, no, it's not, it's not for the eels sake. I don't, I don't care about eels. They're terrible looking. They're like weird snake <laughs> things. Preparing an eel for someone to eat is like the worst thing I've ever been asked to do in my life in any oh my job. God. It is. They what? are so gross. You... So we had we were working there, and like I guess they didn't get eels a lot, you know. And like mm -hmm. and the my boss was like, "Hey, we got this crate of eels. Like, figure this out." Like he basically <laughs> was just like, "Go figure it out." And you have to skin the eel. <gasps> and oh. but eels are like they're super hard. They're super slimy and squirmy, so they're really hard to. Uh, to, to, like, you can't even, you can't even kill them. Like, you, you, because they're too swiggly. What you have to do Don't is, you, don't you have to, like, hit it on yeah, the head with a mallet? Yeah, you gotta knock it on the head with a mallet <gasps> to knock it out and then oh. rip its skin off. And, like, the whole, and, but, like, even after you take its skin off, it's, like, still squirming around. The whole experience was, like, a, a true nightmare for me. Oh, God, and I would say, is... don't order eel. Just don't, don't yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that was it for me for eels. That is awful. It's, and it's okay in sushi, but it's like not like eels are so great that you need to have eels. Like just let the eels be, because no one deserves the. To, I, maybe people were better at it than me. I was terrible at it. I didn't know what I was doing. That was a really bad day. It was the day I had to like <laughs> try to figure out how to like stun and skin like fifteen <laughs> eels. That does sound traumatic. Uh, Charles wants to know. Uh, this one again, clearly tailored for you, because I got nothing. Uh, this is our man Charles Curtis by Charles Curtis. He says, "Did the NHL expansion draft live up to the hype?" Oh uh, no, it did not live up to the hype. That that's super easy. Um, so what the NHL did was that they combined the Las Vegas expansion draft because there's a new team uh, in Vegas uh, for the next coming season with their annual award show. So it was just like a mishmash of an award show, but then every 15 minutes they would cut in with a draft complete with like the analysts coming on stage to analyze Vegas's draft picks and then being like, okay, now we're going to move on to the, you know, award for NHL player who has the best sportsmanship. 
Um, so for it, like that was completely tone deaf, but a lot of the picks had already been leaked. You could tell there was the, uh, the exemption list came out, uh, a couple of days ago so that players like put on a list, like, you know, the players that Vegas wasn't allowed to take. And so you, when you notice that high profile players weren't on that list, you kind of got the feeling like, okay, Vegas is going to obviously take these high profile players. So the high profile picks you already knew were going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury from the Pittsburgh Penguins went to Vegas, which everybody already knew. James Neal from the Nashville Predators um, also went to to Vegas. But none of that was really surprising. And and, and all of the other picks were just like defensemen and forwards that are third, fourth line picks um, that other teams were, were willing to get rid of. So... It was it was definitely a little bit of a letdown, but uh, you know it is what it is, and it'll be fun to see Vegas kind of mix it up next season. It's weird to me, and and Charles and I talked about this on the on the Facebook Live on on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's weird with one team that they would bother making a like, and I get why they bother making a show out of it because you can make a show out of just about or they make a show out of announcing the NFL preseason schedule. Right. So, but. But, like, with one team, like, that's just a list, right? All you need to do is hand in a list. Like, here are the players we took. There's no suspense to that. So it seems weird to, like, create this sort of artificial formality around it that they're actually drafting. It's just a list of dudes. It is, yeah. It is just a list of dudes. Everybody knows what it is. Um, And the funny thing is is that Vegas released uh, on Twitter, they released, like, a social video of George McPhee, who's the GM, submitting their picks to the NHL. And it literally is a guy behind a computer typing up the list and sending it to the yeah, NHL. Yeah, it's just an email, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. It's just an email. So then they to build this giant production around it was, um, you know, it was definitely anticlimactic. And it also took away from the NHL award show, right? Like, this, this is the time for these guys to have a little bit of spotlight um, because Sergei Bobrovsky, you know, is a guy who's super well known in the NHL, but probably not a lot of other people know his name. So let, let him have his moment. Um, and then they shoehorned the draft into it. So it was, it was a big letdown. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds like a letdown to me. I can't say I watched it. I remember like the, uh, when the Rays and, and the Diamondbacks came into the league and when the Rockies and, and Marlins, I remember being, like kind of excited about that just because again there was two teams so it was a little bit of a draft and you did mm-hmm. get to see sort of how it played out but then i also remember that like david need was the name of the guy that the rockies got when and like that was like the big name guy because he was a young braves pitcher and the braves were this team with this reputation for incredible starting pitching and so it was like oh david need he's going to be great and david need i think made like 20 total starts for the rockies like <laughs> those guys that you know like the guys that you think are like the the big names, at least in baseball, the big expansion guys. I think it was I can now I can't. Oh, David Need. I'm looking him up as we speak. Uh, yeah, he made he made a total of 38 starts for the Rockies, but like wasn't very good and wasn't. You know, you think like oh maybe these are the guys that are they're going to build their team around, but I think mm-hmm. that for an expansion team, it's going to take a lot more than the guys available to you in, in the expansion oh, draft. Oh, for for sure. I think that you know the player I feel sorry for is actually James Neal from from Nashville. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury has basically had his moment and has really been, I think, through the apex of his career with Pittsburgh, right? He's got three Stanley Cubs. He was their starring goaltender for quite some time. And it became really clear, especially after this playoff series and um, 
their last run at the cup, that Matt Murray is the guy in Pittsburgh now. So he kind of, the writing is on the wall. He's not going to stay in Pittsburgh and be a backup goalie. Mm -hmm. He will happily go to Vegas where he can be a starting goalie, but also be the guy in the room with the most experience and can really have a leadership role on this team, right? Right. Otherwise, Marc-Andre is in a room with Crosby and Malkin and just all these other heavyweights. So it totally makes sense for Fleury to to be in Vegas. But James Neal is still relatively young. He was on this like Nashville Predators team that is really poised to do great things. And now he just gets relegated all the way to the bottom of the list. Um, he will be a star in Vegas but their chances of winning a cup, like, they're not getting there anytime soon. So yeah, that's, I, a, that's that's kind of a real bummer. I mean, I think we've discussed this before, but, like, athlete transactions, while it's part of the trade-off you make to be a professional athlete, and being a professional athlete is dope, doesn't make it any less weird that, like, you no. get traded. Like, we're not, we're not going to get traded. You know, like, we might get we might get canned at some point. Right. Yeah, but but we're not going to, you're not going to, like, one day show up to work or, like, sign on to Twitter and have it be, like, USA Today Sports has traded Hemel Javeri to the Washington Post for future considerations. You know, it's just not going to happen. Amazing though, if it did work. Well, no. Well, I mean, that's so that in that case you wouldn't have to move. But what if it was like we've traded Hemel to the St. Louis Dispatch or whatever? Exactly right. You're like, oh, like, like it's like, but like for me, but wait, like I'm, I like my my wife has a job here. Like, what am I going to do? You know, like if you're like these guys, I don't know. My kids are in school. Yeah, your kids are in school. All those different things. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. It is. It is a very um, weird thing. Nina wants to know, our boss, Nina Mandel, at Nina Mandel, uh, and this is an inside joke, but I, it's, a, <laughs> it's an interesting question nonetheless. She wants to know what is the worst food to buy from a mall food court. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it's fish, it, and that is also an inside joke. Right. But so, I can't we, I mean, think we can of a better. The joke. We can explain the yeah, joke. It was yeah. that you on, explain the joke. On a me- at a meeting on a conference call. Uh, so our colleague, Luke Curtinine, uh, and, and friend and enemy of this show, occasional guest, uh, who listens to the show. So we, I guess we have to be nice about it, except we haven't in the past, and it doesn't stop him from listening. So Luke, Luke is a man of, I will just say, a man of questionable taste in many aspects of life. But uh, he, He's low maintenance. Let's just say Luke is very low maintenance. Luke is a dude. So in, in New York City, uh, they... And this is like this is early in Luke working at at USA Today Sports, so I was polite about it, and now I wouldn't be. But in in Midtown Manhattan, where our offices are, uh, most of your food options are these like really crappy sort of corporate food bar places, mm-hmm. where it's like there'll be like a deli section, which is okay, but for the most part, it's like pay by weight. <clears throat> food that's just sitting in trays that's been sitting out all day and it's gross right. like they're it's and it's gross, gonna cost you a fortune it's gonna cost a fortune because you're paying by weight and like they they put in things that they know you're is gonna like drive up the weight and it's gross it's just it's like not it's not plan a it's nobody's plan a it's just like everything else in the neighbor in the immediate neighborhood for the most part is like expensive steakhouses so if you don't want to spend a whole lot of money on lunch if you want to spend ten dollars on lunch is the cheapest you're gonna get you kind of have to go like get this little sad plastic container and fill it up with the few like the least disgusting options from these trays of food and one of these places added poke which is raw fish and Luke was like yeah we should go try the poke from that place and like Charles and I who are seasoned New Yorkers were both like 
Um, and so, so what happened? So in our in our conference call, Luke, Luke got stuck in in Minneapolis. Ultimately, Minneapolis. He yeah. was stuck in Wisconsin, and he got rerouted to Minneapolis, trying to get home from the U.S. Open. And he was like, "Oh, I, I'm not going to do Luke's voice because that would just be offensive." But uh, he basically got he was he, what he did. What he chose to do with his one day in Minneapolis was go to the Mall of America, which is again sort of a questionable decision. Not that I haven't been there, and I did once spend a day in Minneapolis at the Mall of America myself, uh, but I was like 23, to be fair. And uh, Luke said, he said it's, uh, it was great to eat there, it was efficient, but we, all, efficient. Heard, we all heard him saying that he ate fish at the Mall of America, and immediately everyone just started yelling at Luke for eating fish at the Mall of America. So that's the nature of Luke's question, uh, of, of Nina's question, and uh, Hamill's answer. I would say, yeah, I'm not going to eat fish from the mall. Uh, I try to, I don't know, I you know what I like doing at the mall? And this, I again, this is right out for you as a vegetarian, mm-hmm. but... If it's a big enough mall food court, you can just walk laps and eat the samples enough to make it count oh. as lunch. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, that. It's like, well, it's <laughs> like, and that has and, nothing to do with being a vegetarian. And literally, no, no, because literally all the samples are always just like chicken in sweet <clears throat> goo of some sort, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's like fried meat in yeah, sugar. I love that. I still bother with pretending like I'm actually considering ordering the thing that they just gave me a sample of. Like, I stand there and I, I like, chew it in front of the person and think about it and, like, nod like it's good and I might come back and then I just keep walking in the next sample. I think that's such a, it's such an, it's just such a, a lot of effort, right? Especially to pretend that you might be ordering it. Oh, I yeah. would rather. But yeah, I sell it. I sell it. I'm a good actor, you know? So yeah, I, true, I really yeah. sell it. Like, I, oh, that's great. Really, I thank thank you, and I appreciate your tiny piece of chicken and goo. And now I'm going to go try that guy's tiny piece of chicken and goo just to compare and contrast, but I'll probably come back here. Like, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Um, I do the same thing. So, like, if I, um, if for whatever reason I'm like out at night and I really need to pee, you know, like I, it's like, oh yeah, there are bars open. You, pre- you pretend that you you're waiting for somebody or you're gonna get a table. Yeah, you go no, you go into the bar, you go into the bar, you look around, you look confused, you look at your phone, you look back <laughs> around the bar, you go into the bathroom, you use the bathroom, you come back out, you look at your phone again, you look around, you look confused, you shrug and you walk out. Like, <laughs> why would anyone stop me from just walking in? Going to the bathroom and walking right out—it's not going to happen. But that's not how I roll. I got to say, yeah, you're you're putting so much effort into placating service people that it's hilarious. Well, you know, I just don't want them to think I, I'm doing exactly what I'm doing, which is just walking in with no intention of buying anything, using the bathroom, and walking out. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a good method if you can sell it. If you're like a trained professional actor, as I am. I, I sometimes think that women have an easier time with stuff like that because I've never thought twice about walking into a restaurant and just using the bathroom unless yeah. it's a nice restaurant. And then you have a little bit more of, you know, you got to get past the server and the hostess. Um, well, and I mean, to be fair, I think it's probably a lot easier for like women have to be worried about the bathroom hygiene a lot more than men. Oh, you know? God, it's, yes. So, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, give me like a good alleyway and I'm fine. Uh, moving on yeah let's move on uh okay um this one comes from at sitar uh who has taken to only asking us harry potter questions again building your brand he wants to know what do you think your 
Patronus would be. Oh, and Patronus. What is your animagus. Patronus. What is your animagus form? What is your Patronus in your animagus form? Do now. I assume so I should, should, I, should I guess? Should I guess? Um, is Patronus he, just like a patron, like someone who's paying for you to do stuff? No, that's no. that's completely not right. All right. Uh, so is how animagus familiar- is animagus an animal you can turn into by via magic? Okay, that's right, but I feel like you maybe Googled that. No, I did not Google that. It just says anima, like animal in the first part, and then Gus in the back. So, like, mag- I don't know. That's just, that's just, I'm, that's deductive reasoning, Hamill. That's all that is. <laughs> all right, so the animagus is an animal that you can turn into. Like, not everybody Whoa, can be. Oh, an speaking animagus. of animals that, I'm sorry, speaking of animals that I can turn into, there's a huge squirrel in my backyard, and it might go into my apartment. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh go. my god! Oh my god! It's gonna go into my apartment. But no, I don't want. I can't because if I scare it. Oh, all right, it's getting on the fence. If I if I scare. Is the door open? It, the door is wide open. What and is wrong with no, you? No, it's good. Because but if I chase it, it's gonna. I'm gonna chase right into the apartment. Okay, it got out of there. Now it's coming for me. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Go back. I would go say, back. Tell me I would about say it. Ted. First thing you need to do is shut the door to your apartment. Well, it's it's nice to keep it breezy. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna. Well, shut then you're gonna be dealing now, with a giant squirrel in your apartment. Now I'm shutting the door. Uh, the squirrel, right. one, the squirrel, squirrel one. Sorry, I go back to the <laughs> animagus form. Uh, yeah, so the animagus is a animal that a human can turn into, but that's by choice. Um, so in Harry Potter, you have cheese, uh, and I feel so bad that Luke is not here because I'm gonna mess up some of these characters. But you've got some characters that can, you know, that can transform into and Sirius Black is the first is like the big the big example so he can transform into this like giant black dog uh basically whenever he wants to mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of an animagus um a patronus is a a protective charm that you can cast from your wand but it usually takes the sh- the shape of an animal so so that's like what is it so that's what the patronus would be like so for harry it's um I think for Harry, it's a stag, right? It's like a big masculine deer. I think for Ron, it ends up being like an otter or something like that. And supposed to say something about your personality. So that's what a Patronus charm is. Okay. Um, so what would be your, do you know that what your Patronus would be? Yeah, I, I already know what my Patronus is because we figured this out a long time ago. It's basically a wasp. There was, we, I got stung. So this was like a while ago. It was just, I got stung by a wasp right outside my house and my sister like immediately she like Googled it and she came up with this. uh, She, she sent me this like JPEG image, like describing what a wasp is. And it was like so accurate to my personality that we knew right away. We're like, Oh, that's your Patronus. Like this is your Patronus. And is this a thing people, is this a thing people talk about when I'm not around? (laughs) Oh yeah. This is a big thing, dude. So that's my Patronus. My Patronus is a wasp. But, um, and, I'm, and I think that... And so that would mean you would, you would if, someone, if you were in trouble, you would summon a wasp to come chase away your, the yeah, enemy. The patro- no, the, the, the Patronus is like, it, it takes the shape of an animal, but it's really like a big energy thing, right? It's like, it's all like the positive energy that you cast from your wand, and it takes the shape of said animal. Um, 
I don't, it's so hard to explain a Patronus to somebody who could mine has... just be like a hibernating bear. Like it would yeah, be I like, could, and yeah, it, would it be could like, just be. Oh, like it doesn't look so bad right now. It's sleeping, but like we better not mess with Ted because that if we have to step <laughs> over that bear, it's gonna maul us. Yeah, and your Patronus and your Animagus are don't have to be related. Right? No, um, it wouldn't. Right. So it wouldn't be turn, related. I mean, I would love to be a bear, but I don't want to turn into. I don't. That's if I had the choice of every animal, it wouldn't be a bear. Yeah, I would say um, I would say my animagus is probably oh god I don't know what it would be um, like Peter Pettigrew is you know is actually Ron's rat like he is one of the characters and he stays a rat so I would probably be a mouse I think my animagus is a mouse. Uh, you Are just, you just laughing? You're just I, laughing I, I no, I'm laughing at, at like all of the words you just said <laughs> made no sense to me. Um, so you would turn into a mouse if you had a yeah. Job. Really? Why? Uh, just, I think that that's probably the lowest, it's like a low key way to live. Right. And I'm learning a lot from, from the little mouse that is in, in my home to, at the moment. Why would you want to live low key though? I mean, I don't want to be a big animal though. I think that I would probably do better as like a little mouse. Oh, I would definitely be some sort of bird of prey. Oh my God! No, I don't like, want to be a bird. Uh, no, have you ever seen? So this again. This is not what you're going to be on board with. But there's a there's a type of eagle. I think it's a golden eagle. And how it eats is there are these like mountain goats that are like peacefully graze on the side of the mountain, and the eagle just swoops down and grabs the goat and chucks it off the side of the mountain and then waits for it to fall down. And then when it's down at the bottom, it eats the goat. I want to be that thing. I want to. Oh that. my God! Yeah, I want to do that. You're a violent, dark person. No, I just think it would be, I mean, first of all, if you're going to be an animal, you've got to be one that flies, right? Why would you not want to be one that flies? If you're a mouse, you're I, just... Mm, I, don't wanna, I, I don't know. Flying, I mean, one, I'm scared of heights, but I, I but don't know. But not if you're an eagle. Any. I mean, yeah, not if you're an eagle. Like, flying would be cool, but when I think of, like, what my animagus form would be, it, it definitely is a mouse, Huh. I mean, mine, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm missing the, the. No, like, no, you're not missing it. I think, but like, I think I would is... be a giant bird that is badass. I, I think that suits your personality quite well. Um, okay. I'm not very, I don't feel like I'm a very bird like guy, but I think that I would. Well, the way I you've choose... just described it as, you know. <laughs> yeah, it just like chucks the, chucks the goat right off the mountain, and then the goat like falls so far, and then the, and then like, hey, free delicious goat you know i would probably not eat it raw like the eagle does i would like smoke it over hickory or something like jerk seasoning is really good on goat uh you gotta you gotta slow cook a goat but uh yeah i think that's what i would do all right that's my those, are, that's those my are good animagus. answers that's my those point. are good answers okay. for somebody who has not watched um Sitar um, thinks he's gonna throw me with these but i can't be right. thrown much like an eagle i am doing the throwing um Reno Wallabout wants to know. He wants to know four. I'm gonna cut this one down. We don't have time for four. Uh, okay. He want, at Reno Wallabout wants to know which professional athlete would you want to help you get out of an escape room? Have you done the escape room thing? No, no, I haven't. Um, I don't. I think that trend is starting to get played out. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I. I can't say enough. Like, I feel like. That's something that they frequently do for like workplace team building, and like we right. don't we don't do that. We don't do that type of stuff here. We don't. Yeah, <laughs> this we're, is our we're, workplace we're team building. You're witnessing it right now. Our our workplace team building is talking trash about Luke. Right. It's like sometimes you get to come on the podcast with me and make fun of Luke. 
That's right. Uh, and then we and we all get along great. Um, so <laughs> so we don't we haven't done I don't know I I I see this like on Instagram a lot like people are like I'm in the escape room. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I'm a little bit like my I, I'm a little bit claustrophobic so like that's not my my not my main jam like I think I might have fun doing it but. I I'm not like especially eager to put myself in that situation. I I'm not claustrophobic, but I also think that I don't like constructed channel ch- challenges, right? If I was so if we were if we were to take this scenario up several notches and you were in an actual room right, and if it was you, like you were being saw, held hostage yeah, like, right. and you needed to escape, then you know, I would think about um <clears throat> I think ultimately that think. would be more fun for me than one that's yeah. like set up by someone else because it would be like, man, I totally outsmarted the sm- saw guy or whatever <laughs> it is, you know. Um, but right, but if there's like a, a like a series of this is the right move or the wrong move mm-hmm. to get out of this room, then it's just like, oh, it's just a puzzle where I happen to have to be in this room with these people I didn't want to talk to. <laughs> so going back to the spirit of the question, um, which athlete? God, I just. I don't know. I can I can I don't know why I can only think of hockey players. Uh I'm going to go with I'll say David Wright just because I think he's a really nice guy. Super smart and I too bet, and like very yeah. very patient and like would be totally cool, wouldn't get frustrated with you. He's been yeah. on the Mets for a long time so like there's no way whatever the escape room is going to throw at him is going to be worse than what he's had to deal with <laughs> in his baseball career. I think that's a good I point. I value calm under pressure just because I can be so high strung. I think I want I want a lot of people who can basically handle the stress of the situation so i'm gonna go with david wright i'll probably go with jonathan taves because he is again one of those one of those players that seems calm and cool but also will have enough strength to like lift heavy things or break down doors as needed see i feel like i kind of just want what was that part of the escape room thing or is there like feats of strength because that might make me more likely to want to do it (laughs) No, but, but I, well, I'm, I'm imagining a, uh, I'm imagining a darker scenario. Obviously we're all, we're all being (laughs) held captive for, for not in an escape room, but just like in a hostage situation. So, because the escape room doesn't do anything for me. Like that to me is like, eh, I'll take whoever. Um, but I'm kicking that scenario up a couple of levels. All right. Well, if we're kicking it up a a couple of levels, I think I want like a wild card, you know, like I think, I think I want someone who's going to be so outrageous that like I can sort of slip through the cracks. So I think I would take like (laughs) Yasiel Puig with me because like who, who the hell knows how Puig's going to handle that situation. And then like, I maybe like, while he's creating a scene, I sort of just sneak out the back. (laughs) <laughs> all right that seems okay. um but if it was like one of these one of these other escape room things i don't know i i i, I kind of feel like i don't want someone smarter than me you know like i want i want to be the guy figuring stuff out so i don't know which athlete it is and I w- if i did i wouldn't name him but i want like the dumbest guy i can find because like let me handle this because uh, if we paid for this and like, you know this, supposed to be this a fun is thing, your time to shine it. basically right because these guys get all the glory on the field you want all the glory in right, the like, escape room yeah like i mean we had we had Sean Doolittle on the show, super smart right. guy, right? Like, I don't want to be in a room with that guy because he's going to be as just as smart as me and not smarter than me. And I don't need, to, I don't want to help. I want to figure this out on my own. 
<laughs> right? Yeah, your your ego is definitely running wild in the escape room. Right. So yeah. so yeah, I want someone dumb. I want someone who is useless <laughs> and then can be like, "Thank you, Ted. You are my hero." I I'm gonna go with David Wright just because I want somebody calm, cool, collected, and I think he would be a fun guy to be trapped in a room with. Like super nice. There's, yeah. Yes, yeah, there's like a super nice dude. Um, I mean, you're not you're not the first person who wishes they were trapped in a room alone with David Wright. Um. <laughs> All right, Chris wants to know, this is the last one. Um, this is a food one, I'm sorry. I apologize. Ugh, that's okay, uh, we only had one food one this yeah. time around. Uh, TPG Mets, at TPG Mets, wants to know, what is the best food to eat when you really need to smother the paralyzing feeling that the world is falling apart and nothing can stop it? Do you want to take it? Uh, it's chicken fried steak. It's like so you know do you know what that is? You this is these mm. are, there are several terms in there that are unfamiliar. Yeah, to you you might you might need to explain it because so, I think I know what it is, but I want to um, have it right. Have you had anything that approximates fried chicken? I don't think so. But we, you, you've had things I mean that Indian are, people Indian people fry food. Right. You've had, but do they batter and fry food? Yeah, we have um we take like my mom used to take like peppers and batter them or potatoes and batter them and then fry them. Okay. So like like little dumplings. Um good. Okay. So you're on the right track, right? So fried chicken right. is chicken that is battered and fried and I'm sorry to tell you this but like also just completely incredible. Like just so outrageously good that you wouldn't even believe it. And then what chicken fried steak is 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 that but steak. And so it is like the most – it is something you – if you ate more than like three times in a row, you would probably just die on the, sto- on the what spot. What is – so why is it called chicken fried steak? Well, because, it because it's, it's it's steak that's fried like a chicken? Yeah, it's steak fried okay. in the style of chicken. Okay, um, okay. So there's so, no actual chicken in it. And it typically comes with uh, – and this you might you, – because you're, you're sort of from the south. Um, have you ever had like biscuit, biscuits and gravy? I have had, yes, biscuits, and I think once, like, vegetarian gravy is hard to find, but yeah. um, But, like, white gravy, like the cream gravy? Oh, no, no, have not had that. Um, So, so yeah, so uh, if you can find a vegetarian version, I would recommend it. Uh, It's also horrible for you, and, like, you can taste yourself dying as you eat it, but (laughs) that's part of what makes it so good to me, Um, and uh, it's just, like, fat and cream and in my case sausage so they serve the chicken fried steak tends to have like white gravy on top of it and it is like the type of thing that would have to be my last meal because it's so good that you like i every time i eat it it's like the next three days it's like i I need to have a salad and i never feel that way about anything but it just sits with you for a long time but if you if you know that everything is meaningless and hopeless and the world is coming to a crushing end you might as well just eat fried steak that's my thing (laughs) oh my god i i feel like i'm such a like this is not in the spirit of the question at all though because there's no food for me that like approximates that kind of um I don't want to say emotional comfort or like I just don't have that kind of relationship with food right there's nothing that I would turn to to be like well the world sucks anyway so this is like I'm just gonna go for it I mean do you think that do you think that there would ever get to a point where it was like the world sucks so much that screw it I might as well just try some meat Oh, never. Okay. I mean, they're just like the thought of eating meat is just like so repulsive it's to gross. me. It's gross. It's gross. Yeah, it's yeah. just gross. So, and yeah, I, and no... from what I understand from like people who have, who are vegetarians for a long time who then try meat is like your your system can't really handle it. 
Yeah. And we, I mean, we were raised this way, right? So, yeah. uh, so it's just like, it's not something that I gave up or, or so I don't miss it. Um, I, I'm trying to think like if, if I like walked in the door and it was, you know what, you know what I would start doing um, is that I would just drink more wine. Okay. Uh, like for me, because wine has like such a terrible effect on me. I wish I could be one of those people that just like came home, had a glass of wine, and then was able to go on with the rest of their day. If I came home and had a glass of wine, I would immediately pass out on the couch and be like completely useless the next day. Wait, is that um, so? That's the terrible effect. Is it just knocks knocks you out immediately? I mean, I, I get really sleepy and I get drunk very quickly, and then I wake up the next morning with like a pounding headache. Okay. Um. So, and it's it's definitely just like one glass of wine will will kill me. So if you ever see me having wine, you know that it's just I've given up. Like that's it. It is. It's over for me. Is that true for all alcohol or just wine? No, it's. I mean, it's mostly just. It's like, definitely I've, red I've, wine. I think I've had a beer with you at some point, like maybe several, right? And like I, you didn't pass out. No, but I will. So it's not all alcohol. Um, generally, if I sit, if I have eaten a lot, or if I like stay towards beer or gin and tonic, I know that like I can manage the effects. Um, okay. But like, if you see me having like one to two glasses of wine, it's like it's it, we're very close to it becoming like. Uh, you know, someone's gonna have to carry me home. Okay, yeah, I kind of feel that way, but uh, like red wine definitely makes me sleepy. Uh, I don't really like wine; it's not my thing. Um, I do. I, I wish, like, I wish I drank more of it, and I wish like my system could just handle it. Uh, but if I think of, you know, that's it. The the world is meaningless, and nothing we can do is gonna change anything, and humanity is doomed. I would just start drinking a lot of red wine. Actually, this is a really good way to wrap back wrap this episode up and get back to the beginning. Because one thing that made me, like, I, I was, like, probably starting to drink a little bit more wine until I saw the movie Sideways, and I hated it so much that I was like, I never want to drink wine again. I don't want to have anything to do with this culture. These people are completely intolerable, and this movie is dumb. I have not love, seen Sideways. People, yeah, people love that it, movie. Right? People it's love that movie. It's horrible. It's a horrible movie. It's, there's, to be fair, it's just it's, I have never seen it, but it sounds like two entitled white guys complaining about their lives. It is exactly that, and <laughs> and and like that's kind of the point. You're not really supposed to like them, but they are so unlikable, and like nothing really happens. I don't know. Nothing really happens in the movie. It's just it's just bad. Like I get I get that because people will be like, oh well, you're supposed to hate the characters. So so what? I don't care. Like I. It doesn't make me like the movie, you know. Like I don't identify yeah. with either of these people, and like I think I think Paul Giamatti is an awesome actor. Like it's not that; it's just uh, and like Thomas Hayden Church is good and stuff too. But the, it just was an. I just found the whole movie like it made me angry. All it did was make me angry. I I feel that way about Sex in the City. Like that is the one show that I think a lot of people loved, and everybody was like, "This is great. These women are amazing, and they're being themselves, and all this other stuff." I'm like, "These people are just bad." I was like, "There's so many traits among all of these characters that I find so abhorrent that I I just can't watch this show." And everybody's like, "Yeah, well, is Carrie supposed to be selfish?" I'm like, "Yeah, that that doesn't make it like." doesn't make me yeah like it, so. yeah i never yeah. I never i mean i never got into that show and i always found like the culture of it sort of like obnoxious like it was a little too much with that yeah and i um, definitely probably one of the reasons why i hate brunch as well right yeah it's a good and like if you go to like the magnolia bake shop in in new york city like that's where they i guess that's where they always went and they, oh, make, okay. they make they make pretty good cupcakes but it's like not worth it because there's like all these 
Sex in the City enthusiasts there taking pictures <laughs> of themselves with the cupcakes, and it's intolerable. Intolerable. Um, well, Hemel, it's been great hating on things with you for nearly an hour. Absolutely. I love – it's our tradition, our uh, way of bonding. And you can check out the For the Win podcast on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Rate us, review us, do all those things. Uh, Hemel writes at For the Win. I write at For the Win. It's ftw.usatoday.com. Thank you once again for joining us, and Hemel, peace out. Bye, Ted.